Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 5 of UCC's Talking Pictures podcast. I am your host Shannon and I hope all of you guys are doing super well at the moment. Today is a very special episode because today it is just me on the show. It's been way too long since I've done this. For the past few weeks I've really been leaning in on my guests and they've been carrying the show on their backs. But I've decided that I need to give them a break and actually do some film discussion for once. Now, I also just want to give a quick update on reviews since one of the key points to starting the show was that I was to do weekly reviews on the news releases. And to be clear, I actually haven't stopped seeing the films. But what I learned really quickly was that reviews took up a lot of the podcast recording time. And it was really difficult to keep things detailed, but at the same time keep them short and concise. So for clarity's sake, I have decided I'm going to stop doing them here. And instead, in the summer, I'm going to start up a website where I'll post them to. I think it's better off because, first of all, they'll actually be more detailed. And secondly, it'll be a lot handier to find reviews you're looking for, or maybe if you're looking for old reviews, rather than listening to each podcast episode individually. Anyway, moving back to today's topic, this episode is something I've been wanting to do since the beginning of this show. This franchise has dominated the film industry for years, it's changed the way we view blockbusters, it's created its fair share of fans and critics. I personally am a fan myself and I do think most people are. And it's literally the highest grossing franchise of all time. Like Star Wars, Harry Potter doesn't even compare. Um, that brand is Marvel. But today I'm not actually here to talk about the good things about Marvel, it's actually quite the opposite. Now I just want to clarify that before I start this episode that I had this scheduled weeks in advance. I'm not doing this episode due to an incident that occurred with one of the actors on the weekend. It just so happened that it happened the same week that I was recording it. And while I will address it and talk about what it might mean for the future of Marvel, it's not the reason I'm doing this episode since the incident is quite serious and... That is no reason to be doing an episode on something. So, yeah, it's just a coincidence. So we'll talk about it. But this has just been something that I had planned weeks ago. Um, it's written down my schedule. So just weird timing. Anyways, if you have been following films at all for the past few years, it's kind of undeniable that Marvel has been this unstoppable juggernaut. It's produced movie stars, Oscar nominations, box office records. Like Avengers Endgame is the only film in history to gross $1 billion in its first weekend. And for a while there, Marvel was unavoidable and pretty much rooted in everyone's psyche. I remember when Avengers Endgame came out, like... Everyone knew the memes and the lines from the film. It was the type of film that even if you hadn't ever watched Marvel before, there's a real likelihood you were going to go out and watch this. Which is kind of funny because it is a film which depends on people having seen all the other ones beforehand. But that didn't stop people from showing up. But anyways, in the past year or so, there's been a couple of issues with Marvel which weren't there before. There's been a lower critical reception to films, dwindling box office numbers, lengthy post-production issues which kind of do get juicy at times. But they all ask the question, are we seeing the end of Marvel? To be fair, I feel like the ominous tone might be a bit of an over-exaggeration since Marvel still tends to knock out other films at the box office. But quite recently, especially recently, there have been so many different issues with Marvel that this episode has been something I've been wanting to do for so long. I'm going to try to go back and give a brief rundown as to where things kind of started going a bit off kilter. And it happened a bit after Avengers Endgame. So let's take yourselves back to 2019. This is a pre-COVID world, everyone seems to be a lot less stressed than they are now, but there is one movie on every film goer's mind. I feel like throwing out a disclaimer beforehand before some film person comes at me and was like, well it wasn't on my mind, I think superhero movies are stupid. And that's okay. I know you probably don't like Marvel films, 
but I'll be discussing them today, so I hope you're not too bothered by that. Anyways, in 2019, Avengers Endgame came out and it was the main thing everyone was talking about. Once again, through memes, lines. Also, it was really difficult to go online and not be spoiled by the film. Like, you could be watching a video about kittens or something and someone would be in the comments like, Tony Stark died in the film. You're like, how did this... How are they everywhere? I don't know if they're bots or something, but they were just everywhere. Anyway, the film was announced in 2014 and it had kind of been built up for years. So by the time it came around... There is massive hype behind it, especially since Avengers Infinity War, which had come out the year before, had such a shocking ending that everyone was waiting to see what would happen. And to everyone's surprise, it actually delivered in every aspect. It got 94% around tomatoes. It made around $2.7 billion at the box office, which makes it the second highest grossing film of all time. It was just a really neat conclusion to what was essentially a 10-year arc, especially with the final appearance of characters such as Captain America and Iron Man which was handled in a really respectful and kind of sombre way. And the fan service was delivered so well. It was just a clear example of a studio and directors who knew their audience and what people wanted to see. Now that I think about it, I feel like I might be spoiling a lot of Marvel, but I assume most people listening to this won't listen to it unless they watch Marvel and they've seen Endgame. But I do apologise if I've ruined this three-year-old? Wait four-year-old this four-year-old movie sorry it feels Avengers Endgame feels a lot more recent it's kind of mad things have been four years since it came out I'm feeling kind of old I don't like it so anyways after Endgame people were kind of wondering how Marvel was going to follow up and they did that by taking a break now I have to admit Spider-Man Far From Home did come out in June of that year which to me is very weird because I don't remember that film. It feels like a fever dream. But the next film, Black Widow, wasn't scheduled to come out in May of 2020. So it was quite a considerable gap between the films. They usually release three films a year and to go from three to practically none in the space of 12 months, it was kind of seen as a big deal for Marvel fans because Marvel was a really fun thing where you'd be like, oh, I can't wait till this month so this film comes out and I can see what happens. So people were just really anticipating what was coming next. It didn't feel like any of the hypes. Unfortunately, then COVID came around and like most films, Black Widow was delayed another time and another time. And I also think it was delayed again. Yeah, I think it was like two or three times or something. And when it was released, it did get a bit of a mixed fan reception. Personally, I liked it, but people were sort of meh on it. And at the same time, it didn't really seem like a bad indicator for Marvel because the Black Widow character was finished and the film just felt more similar I guess to a phase two film than a phase three film but it didn't seem to hinder any of the potential that Marvel had for the future because sure this was a character that was finished whatever came next came next. Despite Black Widow maybe not getting the best reception Marvel wanted there was something else a lot more interesting in the pipeline that kind of saved that and that was the announcement of Disney Plus. Now Disney Plus is Disney's streaming service which shows up I was going to list off like all the films and tv shows are on it but i'm like i'm not sponsoring disney plus so i'm not going to do that but disney plus essentially announced the creation of new marvel shows which would be connected to marvel movies this was a big deal it was something that was talked about for years where kind of the world of marvel could be fleshed out through the world of television with kind of under the radar characters or established characters getting eight hour long episodes to flesh out their backstory and create a bigger world and create more threads for the lore and the fact that it was on disney plus kind of gave the idea it was going to have these type of hbo production values or a disney budget behind it which to many sounded amazing another aim of the tv shows was that marvel was trying to draw in a completely different audience it would allow them to to experiment with different genres so even if you weren't into superhero movies or you didn't like marvel it was possible that there could be a show for you that could be crime drama a thriller a comedy a horror it kind of gave the idea that there would be something for everyone 
as well as a vast new world for all of the fans to explore. However, though the idea was to deliver many films, this quickly fell apart when it became clear that there was a bit of an issue. And that is the first topic of today, the overconsumption of Marvel films. So, just to give reference, in the first three Marvel phases, which happened over around 10 years, I think, 2009 to 2019, 2008 to 2019, there were 23 films. Now, there are a few other things like one-shots and TV shows like Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that, but I'm just not going to count them, especially since I don't think the TV shows were created solely by Marvel. No, they weren't created by Marvel Studios, but I don't think they actually did connect to the films, a lot of them, seriously, so... I'm not going to count that as the production. Now, in the past three years in comparison, there have been 17 productions, if I'm correct. I tried to count them on Wikipedia. Probably not the best way to do it, but I was not too bothered. So just to compare by this rate, within half of the time the last phase, we've had nearly the same amount of productions. And now, I don't actually think this would have been an issue if they were good. But that's where the low quality part comes in. Now, the first show of Disney Plus was WandaVision. When this came out, everyone was pretty excited. It happened during lockdown, which I remember because I was doing online learning at the time. It was really fun online just to follow the various theories like each week and see what people were saying online as well as talking to people. I was going to say in real life, but it was also COVID. So a lot of it was done through texting and like FaceTiming and all that. But the show centred around Wanda Maximoff, who had been a character for several of the Marvel films but she hadn't really ever been developed so the show was kind of a great way to show the inner workings of her character and she was a great character to start off with since she literally killed her husband in Avengers Infinity War and she has these reality altering powers and with her abilities she creates this practically imaginary world where she can have everything she wants and she has her family and everything's perfect what was also super fun about the show was it was an homage I don't know if it's homage or homage, I think it's an homage to the different TV shows of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and it was just from an aesthetic perspective and a writing perspective it was really fun to see. As for your first show, it did well. It was pretty quirky and niche for Marvel which draws back to the idea of them testing new boundaries and trying to attract a bigger audience. And while it didn't have the strongest finish, it overall was a success for Marvel. Then came Falcon the Winter Soldier, Loki which I actually do need to mention before I go on, is a kind of an exception. Like, pretty much everyone, I think, like Loki. But somewhere around Hawkeye, viewership started tipping off. Despite it being one of the main Avengers and co-starring Hayley Steinfeld and Florence Pugh, who, who appeared for a small bit, I believe, people didn't really talk about it the way they did about WandaVision. This trend kind of continued as numerous films came out and the idea changed from I have to see it to kind of, okay, I don't mind if I miss this. There were just so many things coming out that it was really hard to keep up with them, especially in a universe where connections do matter. Now, I'm fairly sure someone like Kevin Feige did say, well, the TV shows aren't essential viewing. Like, you can go into films without having watched them and you'd still know what's going on. But in my opinion, WandaVision ended up being kind of essential viewing for the sequel to Doctor Strange because I actually had a friend who didn't watch WandaVision and before we saw the film, she watched like a 30 minute recap of the show online and I remember asking her after, I was like, you know, do you think you could have just hopped into the film without having seen the show? And she was like, no, I wouldn't have had a clue what was going on. So this kind of necessity to watch all the TV shows became a bit of an issue for people because they couldn't commit the time. And what was the point of watching films later if they weren't sure what was going on because they'd missed something that was previously on? But like I said, the number of films and TV shows probably wouldn't be an issue if they're done well. 
But the genuine answer is Marvel films in the past two years just haven't been as good as they were in phase two and three. In my opinion now, most of them are watchable, but they have very little replay value. And very few of them have hit the heights of Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War. All films which I would still easily watch today. I did mention earlier episode that I liked Shang-Chi, Spider-Man No Way Home and Black Panther Wakanda Forever out of phase four, but they were the only ones that I really enjoyed. The other ones I didn't really care for. Now, personally, I do think some of these issues stem from the fact that there is so many TV shows and films in production that obviously Kevin Feige and whoever else is in charge can't oversee everything to the same extent that they did before. But there also came the issue when people quickly realised that even even though Disney said that the new Marvel shows were going to push boundaries, they weren't really doing it. For example, Moon Knight. It broke the record for the most watched Marvel trailer in 24 hours and Kevin Feige claimed it would be brutal compared to other shows. Now for the record, I haven't seen Moon Knight. I did stop a Loki. But by all accounts, Moon Knight was actually really tame and a lot of this really dark and gritty violence was all off screen. It wasn't the successor of Daredevil at all. I'm not even sure if I got a 15 rating in Ireland. I'm almost trying to check my phone on Disney+. Plus. I actually am logged out of Disney+, Plus. I'm not checking, but I think it either didn't hit 15 or it did hit 15 and just didn't deserve the 15. Now, none of this to say is that I advocate for violence in films. I actually struggle watching it. But it's more the implication that Disney Plus was still going to play them safe. That you weren't going to see any gritty crime drama. Or it's like they couldn't commit to venturing to different genres because they knew they had a certain audience who wanted a certain way. But it created a very strange imbalance where the TV shows were too different for audiences who had seen them but they also weren't different enough for the audience that Disney was looking for. A one-off, I'd say, of things going easy and being very similar to the Marvel films is acceptable. But when you get the same kind of show several times, that's when things start to come a bit messy. In a similar fashion, the films have also taken quite a hit in the past few years. So since Eternals, Marvel seems to get much lower critical scores than it used to. Now, I see people saying online from time to time that the Phase 2 and 3 Marvel films which consistently hit around 80 or 90 on Rotten Tomatoes, deserve lower scores. But I actually disagree. Most of them are enjoyable films and quite rewatchable. And there's a really distinct difference between those and the films that are coming out now. I suppose the sequel to Doctor Strange was actually the first test to this because it was a continuation of a really popular character. And it also had the addition of Wanda Maximoff, who completely blew up after WandaVision. But despite its horror tones, and the fact it was directed by Sam Raimi, who's, I suppose, one of the most famous horror directors of all time, didn't do that well, even though everything suggested that it would. Now, personally, my biggest issue with the film is what they did to Wanda. I won't get into it because some people haven't seen the film, but it was such a dramatic change to her character from WandaVision, and the motive was just so poor. I'm just trying to see if I can condense it down, but basically she was going to a bunch of different alternate realities to find those fictional children that she made up in WandaVision and even when she found them she was like oh I still need to keep on looking though because like if my kids get cancer or something I need to be able to go to another universe where I can get medicine. Now this doesn't really make sense because since there's meant to be every single possible reality out there I don't know why she didn't just go to a universe where her children were orphaned and like there wasn't any disease or anything that's it's just not really addressed it didn't make much sense anyway doctor strange was a bit of a stumble but people excused it it still made nearly a billion at the box office but then thor love and thunder and black panther wakanda forever came out 
with Thor in particular getting quite mixed reception. Now, these three films were assumed to be their hits, yet not one of them managed to hit the target goal. So people thought, okay, maybe after COVID, one billion isn't realistic since there is a lot of people who still aren't going to cinemas just out of safety. And obviously there is kind of the dominance of streaming services at the moment. But then last month, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania came out and that proved to be a killer for Marvel. Now, if you haven't been following Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, it's had what I'm fairly sure is the poorest critical reception of any major Marvel movie. But even worse is the box office issue. Ant-Man is predicted to not hit 600 million. And now you might think, well, half billion is still a very good figure, but it's actually going to be the first non-pandemic Marvel film which won't be profitable, which is kind of a big deal for Disney themselves. I do think I read somewhere, I was trying to find the source last night, but I couldn't, that Marvel actually wasn't too concerned about the box office performance because what they wanted was a positive reception to the villain Kang, who, as I mentioned a couple of episodes back, is the next big villain of Phase 5 and 6. And Kang did get a really positive response, which would have been great. Except this weekend, the actor Jonathan Majors has been charged with allegedly strangling a woman. Now, I'm going to tread very cautiously here, because nothing's been confirmed. I don't think there's been a trial or anything yet, so it's possible that he may be guilty or maybe not guilty. A statement was put out from his lawyer saying that there's camera footage which will exonerate him and the woman in question has reportedly recanted her statements which basically means she's taken them back. At the same time, according to The Guardian, the woman was moved to the hospital by the NYPD with minor injuries to her head and neck. I think I read something about lacerations around them. And I also want to clarify that in New York, a victim recounting their statements doesn't bear much weight on the charges since there are so many domestic abuse victims who withdraw their statements because of fear of retaliation. It's a very common abuser tactic. So it's not, once again, a 100% indication that nothing might have happened. So just because the woman has recanted what she said, if further investigations reveal he has harmed her, the charges won't be dropped. I'm not speculating until there's a clear verdict. I don't really know what the story is. But in terms of public image, this is the worst actor could have happened to for Marvel. As I mentioned earlier, several films have already been written around his character. And Loki season two, in which he plays a big role, um, as far as I'm aware, has already been shot and is meant to come out this year. And it's kind of really interesting to follow because Jonathan Majors has had the most support for an actor that I've seen in recent months. Creed 3 was a smash hit. He was really well received in Ant-Man. And there's also talks of him being a possible contender for an Oscar nomination next year for his film Magazine Dreams. I'd say if this allegation is true, it's one of the biggest rises and falls of an actor that I've ever seen. And in terms of Marvel, it's more than likely Disney, which wants to keep his family-friendly, clean image. They're not going to work with him for the present and his character will either have to be scrapped or recast, which is going to cost Marvel a lot of money and a lot of issues in terms of trying to restructure things. Now, there is a loophole since technically it's been established in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that not all variants, which is basically a different version of yourself from a different reality, they don't all look the same. So there's a possibility that they could just recast him and say nothing, or they could blame it on the fact, oh, this is a Kang from a different universe, that's why he looks different. But either way, it is definitely going to cause a lot of PR issues for Marvel. A studio up till now which, thinking back at it as a bit insane, hasn't had any major controversies with its lead actors. There's been a few things here and there, but for the most part, it has gone very under the radar, and it's nothing compared to DC. DC's a bit crazy. I don't know if an official verdict will come out soon. I suppose it 
it'll have to and I think Marvel will probably wait until that comes out before they do anything. Now, there's also been a few tweets circulating around Twitter about how Jonathan Majors isn't the best person to work with. But I would take them with a grain of salt because it's Twitter, like people could say anything. But while they've been massive scandals for Marvel in the past week, it's not the only issue they've actually had. Victoria Alonso, who was basically third in command at Marvel Studios, was suddenly let go due to contract breaches. Now, according to The Hollywood Reporter, it's because she worked with Amazon, who are a rival studio, to produce the Oscar-nominated film Argentina 1985. But it's quite mad that an employee who has been staple in Marvel since the very beginning has been suddenly dropped with, according to her, very little warning. Now, there's kind of rumours that she might just be kind of taking the fall for the poor reception, critically and commercially, of Ant-Man 3, which I suppose has to do with the timing of the film coming out last month and her being fired now. Also as well, she was largely responsible for the post-productions of the film, which would kind of focus in on things like CGI and reshoots. So there's kind of a few theories as well that higher-ups might have been unhappy with the recent quality of Marvel productions that have come out. A lot of the time, the truth about these things won't come out for years, so we'll just have to wait and see. I think it should be noted that recently Bob Iger, who has been reinstated as CEO of Disney, announced that Disney is trying to cut back financially. Like, they're letting go 7,000 employees, which is a massive percentage of their workforce. And whether the contract breach was the main issue or not, probably the loss of Alonso's salary will help with the cost-cutting of the studio, so that might be a reason as well. So there's just so many different factors. I don't know which one is true, but it's kind of very interesting to see someone who was very high up and very important just taken out and how it might be connected to the recent failure of Ant-Man Now, another part of her dismissal is also reported to be partly due to the way she treats VFX workers. Now, if you follow the process of making Marvel productions, you might know that special effects workers are treated very, very badly. They don't have unions and they work around 80 hours a week with very little pay. Sometimes they're not even paid and very unsupportive working environments. A lot of this is due to the monopoly that studios like Marvel have over the industry that if you don't agree to work so many hours with such bad pay, that's fine. Someone else will take over your job. So that means a lot of special effect workers essentially have to take up a job with very poor pay, very high hours, and a really rushed time frame to get things done. Otherwise, they're going to be unemployed. Now, Marvel's been criticised quite a lot lately for its poor CGI, which has been present, I think, in a lot of the different phases, but has become a lot more visible in the most recent films and TV shows. I'd recommend looking up bad Marvel CGI on YouTube, and you'll probably get like a few compilations there or something. And now, part of the reason that Marvel films depend so much on CGI is that a lot of things can be easily changed through people editing on computers and stuff. Well, not easily, but at the same time, it is a lot easier to change the background of a film through CGI than if it was shot in a physical location where you'd have to go back and do the same thing again. Now, I was looking at Irish Goods to work out whether she's the main problem here. There are a lot of people online who say she was, but a variety article that I read yesterday provided a conflicting opinion on whether she was an issue or not. The article said it lies with the fact that Marvel changes things so much. Even though they usually have a script and they have pre-production, a lot of things tend to get changed during the shoot, which means that people have a very small time frame to create something. And if they do create something, someone could come along and just say, actually, we're completely changing up the storyline. Everything you've done until now is useless. You have to do something new. Like the, the special effects work goes right up until the end. Like even if you consider when the initial She-Hulk trailer came out, I think within a few days the CGI in the trailer was changed due to online criticism. Now imagine trying to make those changes 
to an entire show, not a two-minute trailer, that has already finished post-production and to get that done within a very limited time frame, maybe about a month or two. Now, while speaking about kind of the ethics around this, financially, it probably doesn't impact Marvel that much. I don't know how much they actually care about it. But from a movie perspective, if you keep creating subpar second-rate visuals that make for a very unappealing and unbelievable world, that's when it becomes an issue. Now, I hope Marvel pay their workers more or some type of unions formed for them, but Disney is trying to cut back by 5.5 billion spending, so I really doubt it. But speaking about cutting back, that actually creates another really interesting issue for Marvel, and that's the lack of success for Disney+. Plus. Now, a really common model for streaming service is to aim for what is essentially infinite growth. Netflix's goal each quarter is to hit a certain amount of new subscribers. Now, I don't know much about the business behind this, but I think it's quite clear that this goal isn't sustainable, which was something learned very quickly by Disney+. Plus. I think there is this hope that pumping out so many franchise shows, both Marvel and Star Wars, that Disney Plus will gain some kind of prestige and attract the massive fan base of Star Wars and Disney to Disney Plus. But once again, the name wasn't enough to carry these shows alone because the quality of them turned out to not be that good. Now, while The Mandalorian was pretty popular, the response to Kenobi and the book of Boba Fett turned a lot of the fans off the franchise. They weren't checking in for Star Wars anymore. They were checking for a good show. And when it wasn't there... They had no inclination to go and watch it. And it did have quite the impact on the franchise because ironically, the TV show Andor, which came out last year, is meant to be brilliant. I haven't seen it, but it's meant to be Game of Thrones of Star Wars. But even with the good reviews and the following it grew, many people didn't turn in to watch it due to the disappointment of the other shows. It's very similar to the way the Marvel shows have consistently proved to be kind of so bland and mediocre that no one's really tuning in to see the new ones anymore. It's like going to a restaurant that you really like and suddenly the food only turns okay and you're like, okay, maybe this is a once-off, I'll come back again and it might be as good as the first time. But then you keep coming back and you realise it's not changing, the food just isn't great. And at some stage, you're going to stop showing up and go somewhere where it's actually good. Now, since these shows didn't give Disney Plus the success Disney wanted, it means that Disney is going back on their plans and it's going to slow down the number of productions or space them out to give them more breathing room for the viewers or give creators more time to work on the shows. Now, this is an issue which probably should have been dealt with a year ago, but I think once again they assumed, hey, it has a Marvel name on it. Everyone shows up for Marvel shows, so... We're just going to keep putting stuff out and people will keep watching them. Obviously, that model didn't work out the way I wanted to and now they are trying to fix things as quick as they can. I do strongly suspect since there's so many random projects in the pipeline with kind of random characters that some are going to be either delayed for a very long time if not cancelled completely. I mean, if viewers haven't followed the TV shows now, they're very likely not going to do in the future. So that's kind of like the main issues with Marvel lately. There's so many different ones between... Jonathan Majors, special effects, the amount of productions they've done. But if I have to draw the Marvel issue to one thing completely, I would say the culprit for this entire thing is poor planning and bad writing. I think this was noticeable in Multiverse of Madness and Ant-Man, where the general plot and characters were quite weak. And I just feel that so many Marvel TV shows and films lately have been a setup for the future, to where you're not really watching them for the enjoyment of this film it's more like actually this will pay off later now the writers have been getting kind of a lot of i suppose criticism online jeff loveness who's the writer of ant-man 3 and used to write for rick and morty has been scheduled to write 
the following Avengers films as far as I'm aware. But he's been doing a lot of interviews lately, which makes me think that they're trying to kind of shift the blame off him, give him a chance to explain himself. Some people say that he might be fired, but I don't think so. I think he'll just be kept in a very tight leash and the scripts will be checked over a lot to make sure that it'll come out as a crowd pleaser. Now, with all this being said, I do think recovery from Marvel is very possible, but that would just involve really tight planning, new directions and stronger scripts. And in addition, you have characters like X-Men Fantastic Four coming out, which I definitely think would be great successes for Marvel. I think Deadpool 3 starring Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds is going to be a box office hit. But if they know how to utilise these new characters well and to make sure their stories stand out and the characters stand out, I definitely feel they'll be able to draw a bit of the older audience back. Like Even if you think of recent issues like Scott Derrickson leaving Doctor Strange 2 since... I think part of it had to do was he wanted more of a horror tone. They did want Doctor Strange 2 to be more of a horror film, but I think when Scott Derrickson was actually like, oh yeah, I'll do a horror film if you guys want it, they cut it down because horror to Disney is not horror everywhere else. And I think as well part of it had to do was the plot was changed to incorporate the multiverse, which has been very popular in the Marvel films lately. And I don't know if he's on board for that, so I think that's my th- one of the reasons he left. I hope he comes back, but we'll have to see. Another recent issue was the Blade film, which was announced in 2019. The entire thing has been started over. I think they've gotten rid of the director. They've gotten rid of the script. And I actually do think this is a good case now where they are reflecting and they've taken a look at the script. Instead of putting out there like, oh, maybe we actually shouldn't put this film out. We need a stronger script before it's released. But this film has been in development for six years. Like, if they don't have a good script now... I don't know what they're doing. Once again, all of this draws back to the issue that they don't plan things out enough. Their uncertainty in their own products seem to be catching up to them. And it really just means that they need to keep a tighter eye on pre-productions. A universe doesn't need to have a million expanding plot lines that set up the future. If the film is well done and entertaining with lovable characters and an entertaining story, that's basically the job done. Right now, a lot of their films seem like setups or contrived ways to get characters from A to B. And I've noticed a lot as well, it doesn't feel like a lot of characters have arcs in their films anymore. It is really about getting them from one place to another. So I suppose this podcast episode ultimately asks the question, is this the end of Marvel? I don't think so. I think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has a strong chance of doing very well. And new characters such as Fantastic Four and X-Men might boost the franchise again. But everything after Guardians of the Galaxy 3 needs to succeed or Kevin Feige is on very thin ice before more people drop out. Like even the Marvels, which was meant to come out in, I think it was like June or July or August, has actually been moved to November now, which once again I think shows they're kind of reflecting and making sure it's good before it comes out, which hopefully it will be because I feel like if people don't enjoy the Marvels or Captain America 4, which comes out next year, then they have lost a certain amount of their audience for good. So anyway, this concludes today's episode. I hope you guys are a bit more informed as to why Marvel films might be hitting a bit different lately, just not in the best ways. It's just been a culmination of so many small problems over the years that that it's all starting to come to surface all at once. And it'll be really interesting to follow where it goes in the future. Like, I personally do want them to succeed, but it's been a very, I suppose, crazy time lately and... It'll be really interesting to see how they move forward from here. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you might stick around for the future. 
speaking on next week I actually don't have one I have two interviews next week and this isn't me trying to make up for not having a guest this week but it's just the way the scheduling worked out I am also super delighted to announce that next week I will be interviewing Paddy McGivney and Robert Higgins about their new film Lakelands which stars Danielle Gallagher and Aina Hardwick and has been nominated for a load of IFTAs um, similar to Connor, they were some of the first people I contacted for the show. I remember doing it through DM and being like, this is so unprofessional. But they actually gave me the loveliest response back and it's been really great chatting for the past few weeks. So I cannot wait to see them. They are some of the soundest lads ever. Anyway, the film comes out on the 5th of May and I will be discussing it next week with them. I'm really looking forward to it and it's meant to be fantastic. So I hope all of you might see it too. Guest number two, I will be keeping under wraps until next Wednesday, but safe to say I feel very, very lucky to be doing this interview. Anyways, I will announce everything next week. I have a small announcement for this Friday, but I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until then, I'll see you around. Bye.